Welcome everyone to the latest edition of the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. As usual, this is David. I'm joined here by Chris. Chris, did you have a good Easter? I did. How about yourself? I did. Church, family, and food. I think that's uh, about all you can ask for on Easter uh, morning. And it was very, it was a very nice day here. I don't. How was it in Memphis? Yeah, pretty much the same. I mean, kind of cloudy, but you know, my day pretty much is just like yours, typical Easter. But throwing a little motorcycle riding, and yeah, they sound very similar. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Well, Chris, uh, before we get going on the episode uh, for this week, uh, as usual, we have been recommending things for people to listen to or read, and um, I'm going to start it off this week with um, the new single from Jason Isbell called Hope the High Road, and uh, it's really good. It was released, I think, about two weeks ago, and it's from his forthcoming album called Nashville Sound which is ironic, he recorded it in Nashville, and it, and it has the name Nashville Sound, but from all indications from him and everybody that's heard it, it's pretty much a straight-up rock record, which uh, I'm really looking forward to. I think Isbell's one of the more talented songwriters, but the last two albums have been a little too singer-songwriter-ish for me, uh, if, if you know what I mean. And this one is supposed to be a return to a, a full-band sound, and I think it's actually... The technical name of the album is going to be Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit. So, like I said, it doesn't come out until until I think mid June, but it's called Hope the High Road. It's pretty. Uh, it's a really good song, and I've had it on regular rotation uh, for the last two weeks. So, uh, you can definitely pre-order the album or just download the single. But uh, I highly recommend checking it out, especially if you like his stuff that he did with the drive-by truckers and some of his earlier solo stuff before uh the album southeastern so that's for me chris do you have anything uh you want to tell anybody about well first of all just with that yeah if that is well it's interesting to sit here he's going back into the rocking sound i didn't know that you know i, I know that like you said past two albums been heavy singer songwriter uh, i do think southeastern is a brilliant record though so i mean if he goes back and does, makes another southeastern that's fine by me but, uh, yeah, I'd be curious to hear the new stuff. Um, you know, as far as music, I don't have anything particularly new that I'm listening to right now. Uh, give me another week, and I'm sure I will. But uh, I am just going to mention, you know, if, if, you're, if you're a big music fan, I have a book that I would suggest that I've, I'm just a little ways in, but I'm really enjoying it so far. It's it's Matt Pinfield. I, I think everybody knows probably knows who Matt Pinfield is. He was vj on mtv back when they played music videos back when they really were the music channel and um just a dj he's been an, he's been an a guy just a, a really you know a obsessive music fan which is cool in my book he put this book out it's called all these things that i've done and man it's just reading it's just reading somebody that has that just loves music like we do um we, we actually probably pale in comparison. We do keep pale in comparison to the guy, but still. It's a cool book. If you like the guy, if you like Matt Penfield, check it out. Yeah, he's definitely a walking encyclopedia of musical knowledge. Oh, uh, yeah, that's what I said. I was about to say, we, you know, we're similar. It's like, man, we're not similar. I mean, this guy's he's in another universe. We're in, minor, we're in the minor leagues, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. But... Yeah, I mean, I've always liked his opinion. I've always said it. I would love to just read the guy's record collection. You know, spend a day going through there. But um, yeah, I think it's kind of cool that he that he put out a book. I don't know how many people would be interested in that. But again, if you're into music, you might be you might want to check it out. Well, Chris, this week's episode is going to be one unlike any that we've done before. So it's a concept that you more or less came up with, and. Um, why don't you explain to everybody exactly what we're going to do today and in in the future as well? Okay. Well, I thought you know we we talked about at one point we talked about taking bands that we're that we're fans of that we're both big fans of, for example, REM, and just kind of dissecting their catalog, and we could come up with our own rank of these albums. And you know, in REM's case, what is it? I believe fifteen albums they've done. We'll just rank those, and you'll see how closely we align. And so then, I, as I got to thinking about it, I thought, you know, we could do something even a little bit more interesting. We could take bands that, you know, we don't want to take something that one of us is going to dislike, but maybe something one is real into and the other not so much, and just kind of compare. So I thought, 
let's try listening to each other. You know, let's take each other's favorite band, and you know that mine mine being be social distortion, and I know with David's is being the Black Crows, and we both, you know, I like the Black Crows. I know David likes social distortion, but we're not well versed in their whole catalog. So we thought, okay, well, we will spend time with the catalog. And for me, it'll be the Black Crows coming up in probably sometime over the next few weeks. Tonight, it's going to be Social Distortion. And we'll just kind of compare somebody who's, you know, somebody like me who's been listening to them for years and very familiar with all the albums versus David, who familiar with some of the albums, but had to learn some of them over the past week. So we'll just, just talk about the albums and see, see if our, um, if I rank of these albums, if they're anywhere near each other's. Yeah, it was a, it was a fun week. Um, my, I've listened to every album at least twice all the way through. And when I, as far as my rankings go, let me explain my methodology a little bit. So I took each album, like I said, I listened to, uh, tried to listen to every album at least twice. And I did not really do any research on an album until after I had finished looking at it and assigned assigned my rate my rating, so that that would influence what I thought. For instance, like there's one album that I know is really loved by a lot of their uh, hardcore fans, but it's not my favorite. But I didn't want to read this is one of the you know the hardcore fans' favorite albums because then I felt like that was going to make me biased toward it one way or the other. So That's I took, good way to do it. So I took each album and I took each song and I, after I, I just wrote a note or two about each song and I assigned it a star rating and I added up the stars and divided it by the number of songs per each album that was, that was on that album and came with an average star rating. And so then I just ranked them according to the star ranking. So, <coughs> excuse me, folks, bear with me. <clears throat> So that's how I came up with my um, listing, and there's there's seven studio albums that we're going to go over. I will tell you that one, uh, Hard Times and Nursery Rhymes, it's commonly when you go to, to listen to it on the internet or to buy it, it's listed as a deluxe edition. I did not count the extra songs. I only counted the songs that were intended for original release. So I guess, Chris, I'm just going to go ahead and, and um, name my... Name my rank them in order, and then you'll rank yours, and then we'll just talk about each album. How does that sound? Yeah, sure. Let's do that. Okay. Number seven. I feel like we should have a drum roll. Number seven is the self-titled album. And I gave it, let's see here. The self-titled album, I gave 2.75 stars. All right. Number six is Prison Bound. And Prison Bound, I gave, sorry, let me scroll through my notes here, 2.75 stars. Number five is Sex, Love, and Rock and Roll. Number three, no, number four is Mommy's Little Monster. Number three is Hard Times and Nursery Rhymes. Number two is White Hot, White Heat, White Trash. And number one is somewhere between heaven and hell. Okay, I gotta say first, uh, first impression, the um, the biggest surprise for me is that you have Mommy's Little Monster number four. That that I I thought you would probably think that because that that album is the most punk album and has the lowest production value of any of them. But there were some things about it that I, I really liked, uh, especially over the self-titled album and Prison Bound. I just I really wasn't a big fan of, and so when I got through with my star rating and, and got the average, I was like, "Well, Mommy's a Little Monster falls exactly halfway in, in the middle." Mm-hmm. So what do you, what do you, what do you how would you rank them, Chris? Well, I'm gonna probably you know and this is so tough for me. You know, my first few. I should say my, my last three. My last three are the ones that I had the most trouble with, you know, going five through seven. And I like all of the albums. And so number seven for me is not a bad album. 
at all. Not even close to being a bad album. It's just one of them had to be seven. And that being said, number seven for me is Prison Bell. I go with uh, a sport number six. This one is, a, a pro, again, the, the five through seven is so tough. It's number six. If I'm doing it right now, I'm going sex, love, and rock and roll. And then I go number five, Mommy's Little Monster. And then I'm going four, Hard Times and Nursery Rhymes. Three, the self-titled. Two, White Light, White Heat, White Trash. And then number one, Somewhere Between Heaven and Hell. So, the first two are exactly the same. Uh, and we both have we both have uh, Hard Times and Nursery Rhymes pretty high, which I, I think is pretty cool. I mean, for me, it's, you know, it's right in the middle. But for you, you have it in the top three. And I just think that's pretty cool that a band that's, you know, first album came out in 83 and the most recent album we're talking about it as being a good social distortion record which i think it is it's different um but it's a great record well i think what what's interesting is you take out um the the ranking of the self-titled album and we almost had the same order yeah there, there it's definitely a lot closer than i thought it would be i uh i figured you would probably, if, if I had to guess, I would have had you as having Mommy's Little Monster, number seven, Prison Bound, number six, and then I couldn't predict the rest. Another thing that's kind of, that's probably, a, it might be a little bit surprising, and it was surprising for me on my own list, and surprising for you with yours, is that we have, you know, sex, love, and rock and roll so low on the list. And again, I like the album, and this album has one of my fa- maybe one of my favorite social distortion songs on it. A song called "Faithless," but yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, what do you want to do? I guess we can just kind of go and um, maybe chronicle. Let's just since we did come to do our list, let's just kind of go through chronological yeah. release release date and give kind of our opinions on it. And you can since you're so broke, you broke yours down in such detail. Be interesting. You just kind of talk about it. Spend a couple of minutes. So okay. let's just start. Yeah, the m- very first one. Mommy's, Mommy's little monster. Mommy's little monster. I gave um, two point an overall rating of two point nine stars. So the lowest you could get was a one, and the highest you could get is a five. So a three is a good average song. Good song. So basically, my overall average for that was it was good. Um, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I was a little hesitant when I started listening to it because I knew it was what, 82 or 83 when it came out. Yeah, 83. And, and I knew... Or, no, 82. Well, <clears throat> actually, the album says 82, but if you look it up online, it says 83, so I've always thought 82. Okay. So I knew, obviously, the production value wasn't going to sound... The production wasn't going to sound as good. It's an independent release, too. Right, and I knew that this or was... Or label, I should say, not independent release. That this first album was really... I knew it was going to be just a straight-up punk album, which, I mean, there's punk bands that I like. I like a few songs, but it's not a genre that I'm just, you know, inherently drawn to. So the first song I thought was interesting... And Chris, I'm interested to see what you think about this. The song, The Creeps. Now, when you listen to it, if you kind of, in your head, try to isolate the bass line and the drums this sounds like it would be a great motorhead song yeah tempo wise i get that yeah so um you know and i i put i gave it three and a half stars i was like um you know i really like the the bass and the drums and it's a good song and I, i've been looking at some things i think this is a song they still keep in the rotation every now and then is that correct yeah they do they do they uh i was about to say that Creeps is played a good bit live, a good bit. Um, you could, I mean, you know, they, they their set list pretty much stays the same when they're touring, but on any given tour, whenever they change it up, I mean, you could hear, you're usually going to hear at least probably two songs from this album, but they've, I've, they'll regularly throw out The Creeps, Another State of Mind, uh, Mommy's Little Monster, and you know, sometimes they've done, a, I think they've even done Telling Them, so yeah, I mean they they still they still they still keep this album in the rotation. Well, like I said, I I thought that was a good song. Some of the songs I gave real high uh, high star rating was Moral Threat. I gave that four and a half stars. 
I gave Mommy's Little Monster four and a half stars. I wrote on here that's my favorite song. Great song. On the album. Um, Anti-Fashion, I gave two stars. And um, It Wasn't a Pretty Picture, I gave 1.5 stars, which I think is my second lowest rating of any song in their catalog. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, like I said, this album, it's 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 raw. It's straight up punk. They social distortion. They've kind of evolved into a band that's. Um, here's the thing about about Mike Ness. Mike Ness is hugely influenced by the country legends. We've talked about this before on prior podcasts. You have Johnny Cash, you have, um, Hank Williams, George Jones, heavily influenced by those guys. He's also heavily influenced by just straight ahead rock like the Rolling Stones. I know they were a big influence on him. And then obviously he has the influence of the clash and the sex pistols. And I think as they evolved as a band, you know, as years go by, like this first album is more, okay. Yeah. It, this is a band that's influenced by the clash and the sex pistols. But later on, you started to throw in all that country into it and they've, and, and then they say the stones and all, and you've got that kind of rock, that rockabilly, the country, you know, the country elements blended in with the punk. But this was, this was the only, this is the only one in their catalog. This is straight up punk. And, uh, it's a good one. It's a good punk album. Yeah. And the, the normally bad production values, we've talked about them. This episode kind of drives me off on, on a lot of things. And this one for, I guess maybe because it's punk and you think punk really isn't supposed to be, as sexy and polished as, you know, like listening to a Def Leppard 80s album or anything like that. But it really wasn't a drawback for me at all, which I, I found um, surprising. And I f- figured you would probably think this was going to be number seven on my list. And be honest with you, if you put a gun to my head before we ever started doing this, I probably would have told you, you know, the same thing. But um, it surprised me. It, w- it was good. And I love the groove on... Um, a lot of the uh, songs on it, the bass and the drums uh, sound really cool. And yeah, ne- okay. Go ahead. I was just saying the thing too. Ness, the, the vocals by Ness on really on this one and Prison Bound. He's a lot. I mean, Ness is a nasal guy, nasally guy vocally. He's a lot more so on those early albums, those first two. And so I think when you listen to an album like Mommy's Little Monster, in addition to it being punk his voice just sounds different than if you put on, you know, somewhere between heaven and hell. Yeah. And it, and this is kind of, this album kind of made them somewhat of a cult favorite, correct? When it came out. Yeah. I mean, they, they were definitely known in the punk world and, and there's actually a cool, um, there's a cool video that you can get. It's, uh, and you can probably rent this one through Netflix. I don't know if it's streaming or if you have to just get, I don't know if it is or not, but it, there's a documentary called Another State of Mind, and it's a um, it's Social Distortion's first cross country tour, and they're touring with uh, a band. I don't know if you've heard of them before, but a band called Youth Brigade. Youth Brigade, and um, yeah, it's just it's just um, it's just as they're starting. I mean, and, it, and yeah, you can see there's kind of that old underground punk. Um, but yeah, this one I think was kind of it is kind of it's an underground it's a classic it's uh you know i think it, it there was a lot of promise for the band to keep going and of course that was derailed for a while um before Her- prison bound heroin addiction right yeah you know mike ness had a lot of substance issues and um he's that album came out let's say 82 and then and then 88 is when prison bound came out and it's just because he was, I mean, he, he spent time as a painter between. He just had a real bad drug addiction, and he got clean. I don't know the year, but it was late 80s. He got clean, and he's been clean ever since. Um, I don't think he drinks, does anything. But So it's, I mean, it's a really good recovery story. But finally come out with another one. You know, this one, Prison Bound comes out. Still on Time Bomb Recordings. And this album, to me has some re- some really good tunes on it. The uh, Backstreet Girl, the cover of the Rolling Stones song. Um, I believe 
help me out. Isn't Backstreet Girls? Is that on? I want to say it's on Flowers. Yeah, I think it's on Flowers, and Flowers is more or less a hodgepodge of songs that were on different albums yeah, that released right only, in, that. only in Britain. So it's kind of almost like a, a B sides album to some yeah, to and, some extent. And, and that, if anybody is listening to this and they they do know the song Backstreet Girl, it's a pretty slow song by the Stones, and um, they really sped the thing up and uh and this was kind of the start of them doing cover songs which they they don't shy away from covers and i love that cover i think um i think let's see i'm trying to think of some of it it's law you know like an outlaw another good one lost child i think is an amazing song and then prison bound is one of my favorite songs of all time and the only thing about this prison bound is the album just doesn't do it any justice because if you see these guys live now and even if you get you could pick up which i'll get to this later on but their live album live at the roxy if you listen to prison bound on that it's still not what it is today because if you see them live now they're doing something that they weren't even doing back when they did live at the roxy they um which i believe came out in 98 they now have a guy that is a that plays i don't i don't think he's I don't know if he's even considered a because you buy an album, even he's not even his picture's not even going to be on there. So I don't know how, how much he's considered a full member, but at least live, they have a guy that plays keyboards and organ. And if you go see if you go see them, they'll play Prison Bound, and it's a probably about a minute intro of just keys, and it fits the song so well. And I, I have a bad recording of it, but I'd love to have a good good copy of that because that song to me is just like i said one of my one of my very favorite songs of all time so that's, that's yeah. kind of quick quick sum up of my opinion of the album yeah well and, uh, and I, do, I, I do some real quick i do say this album too started to go i believe was kind of that bridge between you know with the, the straight up punk and what became a little bit more that kind of rockabilly sound this was kind of that in between that transitional period yeah, and that's definitely everything that I read after I got through reading about the album. Said this was the this was the link between where they started and where they eventually wanted to go. Uh, a few a few notes I have here: uh, Backstreet Girl. I have they made this their own. I gave it three and a half stars. Prison Bound. I gave three stars. I'm not as high on it as as other people are, and that's basically what I have on my notes. A song that I thought was really good was On My Nerves, and I gave that four and a half stars. And I really loved how it starts with this slow tempo, then it goes to a fast tempo, and then back down to a slow tempo. And I think it was a, a different, a different sounding song than anything else they had on the album. As far as um, you know, under three stars, I have indulgence at two stars, and no pain, no gain at one and a half stars. So it wasn't okay. wasn't wasn't just real high on um, prison bound. We'll go from Prison Bound to their next album, which was a self-titled album, which I had listed as number seven on mine. I gave it an average of 2.75 stars. Some of the things that I have on here, the song, It Could Have Been Me, I really like it. I love the harmonica in it. I gave that four and a half stars. Ball and Chain, I think, is one of their best songs. Gave it four and a half stars. Um, Sick Boy, I gave two stars. Uh, so oh far, my god! So I think, I think you're I think you're done. I think you're fired. I don't think we can, I don't think we can continue. <laughs> I knew at some point I knew at some point I was gonna offend you. Offend Cross you. the line. Yeah. Now I do have a song on here that I gave two and a half stars. But let me explain the reasoning. The song "Drug Train." I love mm-hmm. the harmonica work on it, and I love the verses. But to me, I, the chorus kind of did me in on that. And so the, okay. the, those those are kind of my notes on that. Of course, Ring of Fire give five stars. Five stars. One of the, you know one of the great covers and just really it just really sounds good. And I know that's a that's a, a fan favorite. And I think they play it at most of their concerts. Oh yeah, absolutely. They always play that. Usually usually close with it. Well, what are your thoughts uh, on the self titled album? Because you had it, I think, at number six, right? No, are no, you, I have it at number. I have it at uh, number three. Okay, yeah, that's right. This is the one that we just were both far off on yeah uh and and i was fortunate enough that i this was back in uh 2015 
I saw them at the Ryman play this album beginning and end. They uh, they opened this they opened the show with it, you know, kicked it off with so far away and played it beginning and end. And I'm I'm staring at a frame concert poster of it right now on my wall. Um, I love the record. I uh, so far away is a great tune. Let it be me. I love that one. Story of my life. It, Story of my life is kind of. It's one of those ones, kind of like Prison Bound, and a lot of other ones that are going to be revisited. It's just, it's it's hard luck. It's it's just hard luck lyrics. Um, which he, uh, here's the thing. I'm going to kind of take a break from just talking about the songs. Just an opinion of something. I, I've always looked at. This is just my opinion. I've always felt that Mike Ness is punk rock's Johnny Cash. I've always felt that way, and I mean, I think this is a guy that should, you mean. I'd love for him to go do a uh, a recording at a prison. You know, it's kind of a you know a tribute to one of his heroes, Johnny Cash. I think lyrically, they sang about a lot of the stuff, hard, hard times, just you know having bad bad luck, prison, substance, heartache, and I just I just kind of. There's, and then there's the songs about, you know, basically almost like redemption, questioning, you know. It, I don't know. The, it, the things about you know, Mike Ness, too, they, nobody really knows because he doesn't talk about it. Nobody knows about whether he's, you know, what his views are, if he's atheist, if he's Christian. if Nobody knows, but in his lyrics, it definitely, they're thought-provoking. And, I mean, it, I think he at least has those thoughts. And, um that, that too just kind of reminds me of Johnny Cash, you know, when I think of, um, you know, in the, in the, the, the song where he says, it's on white, white, light, white, he, white trash, where he says in the angel scene, there's gotta be a time in heaven. Cause I've already done my time in hell. And he has a song when the good Lord comes looking for me. I hope I was, or when the angel of death comes looking for me, I hope I was everything I was supposed to be. Um, I've just always had that, that thought about him. And so I just kind of, I may do this a couple more times, so I'm sorry. I'm talking about a band that I just really love. So I'm going to get back to this, this album. Sick Boys is, um, you know, they left that off the live album. And if you look in the liner notes of the live album, Mike Ness actually apologizes for leaving that one off. Um, that is a big fan favorite. Uh, Ring of Fire, yeah, there's not a lot. We've talked about this. It's one of my favorite covers. It. If you're new to Social Distortion, check out the Live at the Roxy version. It is amazing. Uh, Ball and Chain, another just, you know, hard luck tune. Um, I like Drug Train. It could have been me. I agree with you. Great song. Um, yeah, I, I'm really surprised at where you had this one. That's that's definitely the biggest surprise. Well, and this I, was, by the way, this was the first one on Epic too. The first one to a major label. Well, I do have, you know, I do have one five star rating, two four and a half star ratings, and you know, of songs on the album. It's just I have mm-hmm. a lot of twos and twos and a halves, um, two and a halves, to be honest with you. Okay. And, you know, I know that this is one that a lot of people like, and this was one that really kind of thrust them in more into the spotlight than they were on their first two albums. Well, if we're going chronologically, the next one should be easy for us to talk about because it's number one for both of us, somewhere between heaven and hell. And be honest with you, I own this album. I had this before we ever did, uh, even thought about doing this. I've had it for a number of years. This is the album that, in my opinion, you really see the country rockabilly influence come into and he's and he's really starting to shed uh shred i'm sorry shed some of the uh, the punk sensibilities that that he had on the earlier albums so i'll just my highs and lows um code feelings i gave four stars bad luck five stars making believe four stars born to lose four stars bye bye baby i gave two stars 99 to life four and a half stars and then there's two songs toward the end that, man, I just love. I've loved them for years. Sometimes I do, and this time, Darling, are, are both, to me, really good songs. And they're 
they're unique as far as chronologically. That's when things really started to change was, you know, some of his song structure and tempo and, and rhythms that he used. And then Ghost Town Blues, um, I gave it three and a half stars. So it's the one, um, only one below three on it, and that was Bye Bye Baby, and I gave that two stars. Okay. Yeah, well, this was this was the album that we, you know, really first put them on the map you know they there was a video if you if you remember that was played often on mtv and that was for bad luck and um yeah i mean i, I the song is just filled with great songs I, and i'm actually really disappointed now because they're doing a um they're actually doing it on the tour they're doing their they they're gonna be doing like a 25th anniversary of heaven and hell but they're not playing the full album I've, I've seen them tweet, you know, hey, which songs do you want to hear? It's like, well, man, you played us on the 25th of uh, self-titled. You played us the whole album. Play us the whole album of this one. Um, so it's kind of disappointing. But uh, Cold Feelings, just a great, just aggressive, you know, punk. Just, I love the tune. Bad Luck's a good one. Making Believe, amazing cover. Um yeah, I actually, I really like When She Begins a lot. That's one I know, I think that's one that our buddy Shannon has never been a big fan of that we kind of disagree on because he loves this album as well. You said um, 99 to Life, mm-hmm. one of my favorite social distortion songs, I mean, w- without question. Uh, first time I got, first time I saw them live, I think it was the first time, they actually played that one. And uh, just amazing seeing that live. Um Sometimes I do. Wait, I got that mixed up. Sometimes I do is when I was talking about that they played live. It was just amazing seeing them do that. But 99 to Life is great. Sometimes I do. Both of those two songs are, to me, those are really kind of the more standout tracks of the album. Um, they're both just incredible. And I see what you're saying about This Time, Darling. I love that song. This one has this album, two covers, Making Believe and uh, King of Fools, both cover songs. Uh, you start to see more of that out of Social Distortion. And I just, this is, this album is probably, I mean, it probably make my top five albums of all time, at least top 10. Um, it, I just, I, I love it. You know, it, I saw it too, where this was Bruce Springsteen. And I said, this was his, I, I think he had this as one of his top five albums of, of 1992. It is one of his top fives were released that year. I know he's a fan. Um, he even brought Mike Ness on stage on the um, Working on a Dream Tour. I have a I have a bootleg of it. He brings Mike Ness on stage, and they play... Uh, Bad they Luck, play, Yeah, yeah, they do, and they jam it. Have you ever, have you ever seen that? Yeah, that, that's that's how I knew. I, I was doing some research and came across that on YouTube, and he's like, hey, this is my good friend Mike Ness from Social Distortion, and I was shocked. You know, they played... I figured they may have played a, a Bruce song and, you know, Mike would just would have set in, but I mean, the whole band learned the song. Yeah. And they were trading off, you know, Bruce and, and Ness were trading off solos. Uh, they, they, I mean, they play the song for about seven minutes. If you're a fan of either one of those guys, go on YouTube, you can find, you can find the video of it. It's uh it's really cool to see, but yeah, I wish they were playing this whole album. You know, this would, if they were playing this whole album beginning then, I would definitely be catching a plane somewhere to see them. Because the brief tour they're doing now, they're not playing anywhere near, which is kind of, we'll get into that in a minute. But anyway, so next one, White Light, White Heat, White Trash, which is, you know, actually kind of a playoff of a Velvet Underground album. You know, Velvet Underground had an album called White Light, White Heat. So they kept the title and added White Trash. Um, And I I misspoke. I, I accidentally mistyped that. It's not White Hot, it's White Light. Right. Okay. I, I didn't even catch that. Yeah. Yet. So I apologize for, for everybody out there for listening. But this one is um, this is just this is this is one that a lot of people have near the top. A lot of people have this as their best record. Um, you know the the people I'm friends with that are fans of the band, they always go to heaven and hell. But I've seen this. I think a lot of people put this as their favorite one. Um, James Hetfield of Metallica. I uh, I read he put the, has this in his top five albums of all time. So it's uh yeah it's a it's a loved record. Um, 
you know, it had, it had been a few years since they put one out, which, you know, it's just kind of when they, like you said, they, they had the break because of Ness with the substance issues and when they put up between Mommy's Little Monster and Prison Bound. And then from Prison Bound to the self-titled, somewhere between Heaven and Hell, I mean, they were knocking them out every two years, which is about normal. Well, this began uh, putting you know putting us on a wait for the new one. Um, definitely not the longest wait we've we've had, but it was a wait. You know, four years put this out in '96, and there's just so many good songs on this. You know, the first song, "Dear Lover," "Don't Drag Me Down," "I Was Wrong," "Through These Eyes." Um, I mean, I'm naming pretty much every song, but that's the way I feel about it. I mean, it's it's almost like this album's one B for me. When the angels sing, it's just, I mean, if that if that doesn't strike a chord, I mean, it's getting a little bit dark, you know, dark here. But you know, I've, I've halfway joked, but I think I'm more being truthful than joking when I say, you know, if I, you know, at my funeral, play this song and crank it to ten, you know, I want the wall shaking. Mm-hmm. And um, that's just kind of the way I, I, that song just gets to me. Um, what the, the video gets to me, the song, lyrically, I mean, it it really tugs the heartstrings. Um, but yeah, I I love the record. Your turn. Yeah, and I I have a note here at the beginning of my review on it. I think this album is a whole lot more rock than punk. Yeah, just a really good rock album. Some of the songs I gave high, high marks to, Dear Lover, I Was Wrong. Um, probably the best song, in my opinion, on the album is Down Here with the Rest of Us. That's a great one, and that's also the, on the bonus track of the uh, Hard Times. That's an amazing rework they did to that song, too. But yeah, both versions I love. And I really liked, like you said, When the Angels Sing, uh, a very cool backstory on that. I gave their, again, another Rolling Stones cover. Under My Thumb, I gave that three and a half stars. Uh, Crown of Thorns, I gave three and a half stars. I gave Gotta Know the Rules, two stars, and Pleasure Seeker, two stars. So those were the ones that brought it down. It's interesting, I gave it 3.9 star average and somewhere between Heaven and Hell, 3.9 stars. And so technically they were both tied for number one, but you have to have a number two. And so I went I went with it over um, Somewhere Between Heaven and Hell like like I said at the beginning, it's if I were if I didn't know anything about social distortion and somebody gave me this album, I would if you ask me to put it in a genre, I would just call it hard rock. Yeah, that's fair. And, yeah, and you know that that last cut too down here with the rest of us, it's that drum beat. That's just man, I love that. Yeah, it's just a great a great song. It's one that. Um, even though I didn't own this album beforehand, it's one that I had bought and had downloaded into my iTunes account. So it's one, one of the ones I was the more familiar with, but even after listening to everything else that they've done, it still ranks in my top four or five social distortion songs. So overall, a very good album. You had it at number two as well. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah, you are. And yeah, I wish they would do more off of this album live. They, they don't, they normally don't, um, under my thumb, they'll do sometimes. Um, you know, don't drag me down. They'll or, or, don't drag me down sometimes. Yeah, you know, I was wrong, but you know, I would love it if they would do like songs like "Through These Eyes" or "Down Here with the Rest of Us." When the angels sing, they never really play that one. Um, and I can see why maybe that, that when the angels sing, maybe it doesn't quite fit the set. You know, because that's a like I said, it's a really serious song. Um, but yeah, this one, this is just this is a really really good one. This was the this was the last one with uh, Dennis Donnell. Dennis Donnell, for those of you who don't know, he was uh, he and Mike Ness were friends since they were kids. Um, they went to high school together, formed the band together, and he was one of Ness's closest friends. And um, and he died of. He died back in uh, 2000. He died of a brain aneurysm. And um, so it was the last he had been on all the albums before. And, uh, you know, I know that some of the songs on the next album kind of uh, just were known to be songs that they were dedicated to Dennis Donnell. But uh, so 
anyway, I guess we go on to the next album, which was next album would be Sex, Love, and Rock and Roll, and this is this would be the first one with uh, with Johnny Two Bags, you know, taking over on guitar for um, for Dennis Donnell, and uh, you know, Two Bags still with him. He's been with him since two thousand. But um, this that thing about this album when I was when I was trying to figure find a place to put it i listen to this album this is the way i when i'm talking about this one it there are there's hardly any tracks on here that i would skip it's like every song on here i think is a good song but they don't have the 99 to life the sometimes i do the when the angels sing the one down here with the rest of us they they have they i guess faithless would be the closest thing to that for me but overall it's just good songs and nothing just really kind of knocks me over. Because um, when I look at this track listing, Reach for the Sky, Don't Take Me for Granted, Footprints on the Ceiling, Nickels and Dimes, Even Winners and Losers, Wasn't Born to Follow, those are all really, really good songs. Um, but it's just nothing that doesn't, it doesn't move me the way some of the other songs have, and that's why it goes so low. Because if I put this on, I can listen to track one all the way through 10 and I can enjoy it, but it just doesn't, again, just doesn't wow me like the other ones. And that's why it went so low. And that's, that's why I want to make it very clear at the beginning. Number seven for me, number six, number five, it doesn't mean, Oh, well, they're not that great. No, they're good. It's just the other ones are that great. Well, my my review of the album is going to be substantially different than yours. Then I'll I'll have this as my this was my header on my notes. There are a few good songs on here. The good ones are really good, and the bad ones are just bad. And I have on here "Reach for the Sky." I gave that one and a half stars. I put in my notes. I know this is one of the more popular social D songs, but it does nothing for me. Highway one hundred one four stars. Don't take me for granted. Four and a half. Footprints on my ceiling, I have 3.75, and I have here in parentheses to ask you, is this considered a ballad by Social D standards? Uh, I don't know that I'd call that a ballad. Okay. Oh, I just mean like, you know, it was a lot slower tempo than than a lot of, you know, songs they usually do. Yeah, you know, in in some ways, almost look at, at Faithless, which is more of an upbeat, rocking song. Almost look at that as more of a, ballad just from the from the lyrical content um but no i mean i don't footprints isn't really i would i don't guess i'd classify that as a ballad well i i do have the lowest star rating of any song in their catalog on this one and that is you and i may disagree we probably will nickels and dimes i gave that one star and I yeah put, no, I, I like that tune i put on here it seems very contrived it seems like they're trying to have a radio hit as a note but yeah, yeah. but winners and losers, I give four and a half stars. You know, there there are several here that I gave you know four or greater stars. It's just that I thought the ones that weren't very good just weren't very good and and didn't make up overall for the the ones that were really good could not make up for the ones that weren't good if that makes any sense. So, well, but I still what do you gave, think of Faithless? Faithless, I said this song is not very good in my opinion. I do, however, like the solo two stars. Man, like I said, it's my favorite on the album, and it's 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 a uh, it's high up on my uh, social distortion songs. I mean, that doesn't doesn't shock me that we disagreed on something. Yeah, no, I hear you. I well, hear you. Well, I guess this takes us on to the final album in their catalog, which is Hard Times and Nursery Rhymes. This was, I think, the next to last one. Yeah, it was the next to last one that I did. And I gave it overall 3.22 stars. And I really liked this album. And I was, it shocks me because, you know, Ness is what, 51, 52 now? Or is he older than that? He's definitely not old. I don't think he's older. Um, I want to say he's around 50, give or take, but I, I don't I don't know his age. So this song, this album probably came out when he was 44, 45, give or take a year or two, you think? I mean, somewhere in there. Okay. So when you think about a punk band, and you have a the, the for, for all intents and purposes, Mike Ness is social distortion. 
you know, putting out an album at that age, how, you know, how much aggression can it have? How punk can it be? But this album is really not very much punk. If you were putting it on trial for being a punk album, you probably wouldn't be able to, you know, get a conviction on that. I'll tell you my It's the most rockabilly album they have. I'll tell you my notes. Road Zombie, I put, this is very odd for a punk band to put out an instrumental, but I like the song. Uh, very odd that they open the album with it. Um, I put on here, I wonder if this is Ness's way of saying this is going to be a different type of album. Three and a half stars. They open a lot of shows with that song, too. That's <laughs> on one tour. They were, opening all, they were opening the shows with it, which I thought was a cool opener. I was surprised at how good it was for a punk instrumental. I have California, California Hustle and Flow at three and a half stars. Um, give me the sweet and low down. I give it four and a half stars. I have a note here that I feel like true Social Distortion fans will hate this song. Is that true, Chris? I don't. Okay. All right. The next one I have is Diamond in the Rough. I said this song has potential but falls a little flat for me. Two and a half stars. Machine Gun Blues, three and a half stars. That was the single. Right. And I, the, I, at the end of our discussion, there's a question I want to ask you about that. So remind me. Bakersfield, I put four and a half stars. I love it. Um, you know when I saw them real quick when I saw them at, in um, in Nashville that when they played Bakersfield he said something like this is the this is the way I said this is the way we do country in Bakersfield and they went into that song I thought I thought it was really cool oh, yeah and you know you have the whole history that's their country of, song you have the whole you know history of the Bakersfield sound you yeah know, Graham Parsons and all those guys um, let's see songs that I did not like can't take it with you um, I have on here oh wow female backing vocals. Uh, which is not something you hear on any other um, Social D song. I, have, I do not like this song at all. I said it's a shame because sonically it is pretty good. The Hank Williams quote cover, I gave uh, three and a half stars. So overall, um, I gave it 3.22 stars, and it came in number three, and I thought it was just a very good album regardless of genre. And it it's, like we said, it, it does have a deluxe edition it has a couple extra songs it has an acoustic version of down here with the rest of us with an accordion that's it's, it's really it's a really cool thing they did with that song yes, so, it is. so chris what are your thoughts on the album this being the, the last one well you know i think this was i, I want to say it was ryan adams put on twitter after this one came out he uh he tweeted that something about how amazing it is that after all these years social distortion is still putting out great records and um I just feel very, I'm very happy that the band that I consider my favorite band still puts out good records. And, um, you know, it takes them a long time to put out one. It takes them a really long time. But at least they're going, they're going with quality over quantity. Um, and I'll get to the album itself in a second. But, yeah, I talked about how Heaven and Hell to White Track, White, White Light, that was a four-year four wait. And then from from White Light to uh, to Sex, Love, and Rock and Roll, that was eight years. And then this one from from uh, Sex, Love, and Rock and Roll to Hard Times, it was seven years. And the new one is scheduled to come out in 2018, seven years. So he makes us wait, but the wait is worth it because he's not just putting out a garbage record. And this one, I agree with you that. That instrumental road zombie is just very cool. Um, I thought Machine Gun Blues was a good single. Bakersfield is a very cool punk country song. Um, I think the Lone and Forsaken, the Hank Williams cover is cool. Writing on the Wall, I mean that you talk about what a social distortion ballad. That's probably the that's probably the the truest example of a ballad that Social Distortion's ever done, and there's no other way you can refer to that. Yeah, and, and I, I have uh, I have a note here. Is this the first ever piano on a Social D song? Question mark. You know, it, well, I was going to say that there's there's piano and 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 uh, keyboards and all that through this record, which they've been doing more of because the the guy that plays with them now, he's been with them since 2011, which that's when this album came out. And so I think the new album, when it comes out, will probably have more of this sound. That's a, a direction that Mike Ness has gone in. A lot of times when people add new elements, I don't like it. You know, I'll give you an example. You know, we're going to go see, next Saturday, we're going to go see Lucero. 
Lucero incorporated a horn section on their albums. I don't like it. You know, I just give me just a straight, you know, whiskey soaked voice and the, you know, the country rock type songs. Um, but Mike Ness, it worked for me. When he added that, the, the keyboards, the piano and all that, I like it. Um, so yeah, it works for me. And then the last song, Still Alive, is, I think that was the first one I heard from this album before it was released. And I just, I loved it. I still love it. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty cool. That, I mean, here it is. They've made seven albums. And I put this at number four. And number four is a really solid ranking, considering I love the three before it. Um, and I, I still listen to this album. I, I still listen to this one with, you know, at, at a, a decent, a decent amount. Um, that says something. You know, most bands, they're not able to do that. Oh, you know, as, especially as, not stringing out over that long of a career. As we found out a couple of episodes ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, now i would like to say too though we uh we kind of kind of touch on a few things about the band um you did say social distortion out pretty much is nest and I, I will agree with that but i do think his guys probably have a little bit more in, input with helping um i get the feeling especially like two bags johnny two bags the guitarist but the cool thing is is his band it is a band you know, it's not just one guy coming in, and because you've got Johnny Two Bags has been with them since 2000. Brent Harding, the bassist, he's been with them through since 2004. He actually even played on uh, Under the Influences with um, the solo album Mike Ness, the obviously influence of the cover albums. Um, Dave Hidalgo Jr., who is the uh, son of Los Lobos guy, he's been with them since 2010 on drums, and then this guy David. I don't know if he's if I'm probably gonna butcher his last name, but Kalish, he plays the keyboards and the organ since 2011. So it, there is consistency in the band, and probably some of the best consistency they've had in a while. And that's another thing, even though they have had kind of they, there's been some mem, the members have kind of come and gone. The ones that have been in there, really, a lot of them were. You take Danelle, Danelle would still be in the band, I'm sure, if he hadn't, you know, passed away. Um, and then uh, John Mauer, the bassist, who was a friend of Mike Ness from high school. He was he didn't play on Mommy's Little Monster. He replaced the guy that was on that, but he was with him from 84 to 2004. And I don't think there was any bad blood, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a long time since I've heard about that, but I think it was just one of those things. He just kind of stepped away. Um, I don't even know if he's doing anything in music right now, but a 20-year span. So they there's more consistency in the band than people probably realize. Um, if you've never really given this band a chance, you know, he, they're... Like I said, it's it's a uh, take take cash, take the clash, Sex Pistols, Stones, mix it in a blender, and you might come out with something that sounds a little bit like this. Um, yeah, they're they're considered a punk band, but like we talked about, their sounds today certainly don't sound very punk. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we've we've mentioned people that love the band that that pretty. If you think about the people that I was talking, that have made comments, that I remembered quotes, whatever, the rankings of their albums and all that, the guys that I named, it's a diverse group, Springsteen, James Hetfield, Ryan Adams. Um, Mike McCready of Pearl Jam is a huge Social D fan. Yeah, there's, there's just a lot of guys like that. There's, there's, there's people, I mean, it spans, the, spans all the, the music map. You know, a lot of people love these guys. I know Brian Fallon is a big big fan of social distortion gaslight anthem and that brings me to another thing too i um first of all if you get a chance to catch these guys on the road go see them it's a really good show i mean unfortunately i don't play a real long time it's the only gripe i've had they usually play less than an hour and a half um but it's high energy and i didn't see my first social distortion show until i think it was around 2006 i think it was around then and, and the reason why it's like, well, why would you wait that long to see your favorite band? Well, for years, they not only did they not really come to the East Coast, they barely left the state of California. And I guess you could play enough shows there and make enough of a living. But 
he finally started coming to the East Coast, but still nowhere near Memphis, Tennessee. So I, I flew to Atlanta to see him a couple of times. I've seen him in Chicago, seen him in Nashville three times. They have finally played in Memphis a couple of times. Um, and the one thing I will say about him is, and I said this on a prior podcast, the guy, I think he nails it with openers more than about anybody, which tells me he's got to have some kind of a role in picking these people. He's He, he must be because they – they're always just slam dunks. That usually doesn't happen. I mean, he's had Chuck Reagan, a guy we'll talk about on future podcasts. He was a uh, still does still does play with Hot Water Music, but from punk band Hot Water Music, uh, saw him open for him. I've seen, you know, we talked about Lindy Ortega last week. You know, she opened for him. Great artist Lucero, who we're going to see next week, and they opened for him. Gaslight Anthem opened on a tour. You know, he, he's just he's constantly getting these just amazing artists that are opening for him um, and people that have become really, really big fans of their work. Some I was fans of before they opened for Mike Ness or for social distortion. But anyway, that's a kind of a, I just kind of want to get a couple of things in about them live. So, well, before we yeah. wrap it up, I do, I have six questions here. I want to ask you uh, things that just came to mind while I was listening to the catalog and with you being mm-hmm. uh, a hardcore fan I just wanted your opinion. This is nothing where I'm going to ask you any facts. So we'll just go kind of rapid fire on it. The first question is, do you think Ness feels pigeonholed because of his first two albums? No. Okay. Because, and, and I know this is rapid fire, but let me just elaborate a little bit. If you listen to, if you listen to, to hard times, the nursery rhymes, I think, I think that gives the answer. You know, I mean, that album is so far from Mommy's Little Monster. It's so far. And I think he's very fortunate that he's able to do that and he keeps his fan base because if all of a sudden, you know, Slayer wanted to make a hard rock record, I mean, their fans would absolutely lose their minds. And um, he's been able to evolve and but it's not, it's not been anything drastic. You know, I mean, he hasn't really gone, he hasn't really gone Jeff Tweedy on us. Mm-mm. No. Well, the second question I have, and this kind of, you you somewhat answered it. How do the fans that have been with him since the beginning feel about hard times and nursery rhymes and the direction that he seems to be going in? As far as I know, and I don't get on and you know, really read on message boards much, but I know just based on stuff I've seen through Twitter and comments when new records come out and all that, people seem to love the new records. They, the the new songs go over very well live. You know, they're, they're, it doesn't seem to be a bathroom break if they want to, you know, play say, Machine Gun Blues. So I think the fans overall have been very receptive. That's just my opinion. Okay. As far as Machine Gun Blues, this is my next question. That song, to me, is the most punk-sounding song on that album, and it was released as the first single. Do you think that was on purpose as to not give away that the album was going to be so much different than anything else they had um, listened to? And so by doing that, people would buy it, thinking it was more of a punk-sounding album, and therefore get it in the hands of people that could judge it after they listen to it instead of on, you know, a first single that maybe didn't sound anything like that. It's possible, but I don't know that I would put Mike Ness as somebody that would be that type to try to almost deceive his fans. Um, I think that that, that song though, and I agree with what you're saying, but that song, when I listen to it, I don't know if, uh, you know, if I look at the other songs on here, I don't know what else could really be the single. Um, maybe still alive. And I don't know what else you could really do. You know, Bakersfield would be a little bit too country. So I thought California Hustle and Flow would be a good one. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That probably could be. And, I mean, I don't know. It, it might be. I don't I don't think he would really be quite that way, but maybe. Okay. Next question. Do, you, do any of the hardcore fans at times find some of his lyrics cheesy? And what I mean by that is some of his lyrics, it's very much like almost preaching to the younger generation, like – you know, don't do the wrong thing, keep your head up, keep the fight going, you know, things like that. Do you think any of the hardcore fans ever find some of that kind of cheesy? I doubt it, maybe, but 
you know, I think everybody knows, you know, if you're a fan, this is a guy who's, who's lived it and he's seen, he's seen the bad. He's, I mean, he's, he's lived through that. Um, he's gone through the problems. I believe his, his, um, I know he had a problem. I don't, hopefully he's doing better now, but I know his oldest son, he was having a problem with, he started going down the same road as Mike Ness. Um, so, I mean, I think the stuff that the stuff he's preaching about and all, it comes from a, comes from a real place. So I don't know. And I mean, as far as lyrically, I'm not saying he's going to hit a home run every time, but a lot of the lyrics that he's done, I, I really enjoy. Okay. Final two. If you could change one thing about their career, what would it be? This one's such a, seems like such a generic, simple answer, but it's, it is the truth. Even though I just, went on and said I love the fact that we get quality instead of quantity I wish we could get stuff a little bit more frequently because we're talking since 82 and we've only got seven studio albums I, I just the one and that's not really changing your career so much but just I wish there were I, I don't feel like it's I may be wrong but I don't feel it's taken Mike Ness six seven years to write songs I think he probably does. I know he's a he's a big gearhead. He's really into the vintage cars, motorcycles. He has. I think he has some kind of a some kind of his own his own company called like Black Cat Customs and all. I think he just kind of gets in in into that world and kind of it's 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 the feel that I get anyway. And he just kind of puts music to the side. I don't think he just goes on some long you know writer's block. I may be wrong about that. And so I wish he would. I just wish it didn't take so long for him to put out new material. Okay, final question. Which album do you think should have sold more than it did? So that's, that's a good question. Um, it's a really good question. I, You know, because I don't know that any of them really sold that well. You know, you, you could you could say just because of the hits that still live to this day, the self-titled. You know, but because even though there's there's, you can turn on Lithium, and you you could run into three of those songs, but those songs weren't really on heavy rotation when we were growing up. Um, so I feel in some ways that one probably should have got a little bit more attention than it did, and. Um, and probably somewhere between heaven and hell because it did get the promotion, and and I think the white light, white heat, white trash did a little bit too. But but um, bad luck, both bad luck and I was wrong were big, fairly big MTV hits, but especially bad luck and maybe one more single would have been what it took to really break them to make it a bigger success. But I don't know. Probably I probably would have to go with. I probably have to go with heaven and hell. Okay, it's a long answer, but no, it's a, it's to go back. good answer. Well, Chris, I'll be honest with you. I really enjoyed this this week. Um, I hope I hope I did my homework correctly. Um, yeah, you put in you put in a lot of a lot of effort onto it. Yeah, yeah I really did. I, I did, and and like I said, this is something we'll probably do this for the duration of our the podcast. As long as we do this podcast, we'll just randomly do this every now and then. I really enjoyed it. Be honest with you, there's several there's probably two albums now that I'm going to go buy because of this. So hey Mike Ness, a uh, little kickback would be nice. Um you know, so and it's definitely I, I created a social D playlist today on Spotify. So um it, it, it won won me over for the most part on them. Like I said, that those that prison bound self tight and self titled, uh, I really had kind of far down uh, the pole. But the other ones uh, definitely had a lot of good songs on them. So if you're listening to this and you've never heard of Social Distortion, I would recommend going and buying either White Light or Somewhere Between Heaven and Hell or Hard Times and Nursery Rhymes, and then maybe working your way back. Just because I think those have the most accessible songs on them compared to some of their older stuff. Would you agree? Yeah, I would probably tell them to go with uh, because because social because hard times is a little bit it's a little bit different. I'd probably go with um, White Light or Heaven and Hell. 
those would be that would be the starting point. I feel like they're both pretty pretty accessible. And like you said, if you're more of a rock person, maybe go with White Light. You know, try that if you just like straight ahead rock and roll album because that's what it is. And and don't for, and and two check out. I don't know if you if you're familiar with this one, but um, Live at the Roxy. Do you yeah, have that? Or yeah, have you I, to actually, it? you burned me a copy of that one time and gave it to me years ago. Okay, yeah, that, that's a um. I mean, I guess you would expect me to say that my favorite band that I love their live album, but I do I do really believe it's a great great live album and um. The last two songs are Ball and Chain and Ring of Fire and amazing, amazing performances of it. I mean, just really, really rocking them, extended versions. And it's um, up until that point, which would have been um, White Light, it's uh, career spanning, you know, and every album gets, you know, every album is recognized on it. Um, probably has a little bit more of the punk songs on it, but... Um, it's a great live record, and then, and then two two other things. I don't know where you can find these. I don't know if um I don't know if you can look them up on um on yeah you know, on TV or if you can do you know any, any kind of in demand. I know one of them was just for DirecTV. I don't know if anybody's watched these DirecTV series, but they're called uh, Guitar Center Sessions. You probably you might can look it up and see if they have it on demand. If not, maybe try to see if you can't find it on YouTube. But if you want just kind of a little bit of Mike Ness telling the story of social distortion, that I highly recommend that they've done a lot of other artists on there too, which I'll check them out. They're an hour long again, guitar center sessions. And, uh, the one with Mike Ness was just great. It shows it's the career. He talks about the drugs, the influences he has. Um, and they, they perform live as well. So I checked that out. And the other one is a newer thing that I've been seeing. It's, um, Ernie ball, the guitar string company they uh they have something called ernie ball the pursuit of tone and they did one on mike ness as well and that was really cool too and it kind of that one kind of shows a little bit with his love of being a gearhead and all that so look those up you might find them on youtube but again guitar center sessions and mike ness is uh, the ernie ball ernie ball the pursuit of tone both of those are outstanding little uh kind of history of uh, mike ness and social distortion well, Chris, that's going to end our discussion on social distortion for this week. Uh, like I said, I really had a good time and enjoyed doing it. Before uh, we let you go, please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review and uh, give us one of those nice five-star ratings. Like I said, we um, we really need to have uh, reviews and ratings on there for us to accomplish what, what we'd like to do in the future. And as always, we're on Twitter at Digital Kill and Instagram at Digital Kill the Radio Star. And, of course, we do have the Facebook and SoundCloud pages. And um, next week, we may or may not have a, uh, a, third, a third wheel uh, for the podcast. We'll see how it goes. Chris and I are going to see Lucero and Sunvolt in Memphis next Saturday. And I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to seeing Sunvolt again for sure. Lucero, uh, never seen before. Um, I've got to... Do my homework on them this week like I did uh, Social D so that I will um, be familiar with some of their songs. And Chris, uh, I, th- I think you've got eight Black Crows albums you need to listen to between now and a couple of weeks from today. Yeah, you know, I did start listening the other day. Uh, and, and I own, I think, maybe four of them. So I've, I've got, and I'm pretty familiar with a couple of them. So I'm, about, I'm in about the same position as you are. Okay. Well, yeah, it, I probably got about five about five of them to really familiarize myself with. Would it be a fun discussion? I love talking all things Black Crows like you love talking all things social distortion, so I think you'll do a good job and we'll have fun. Uh, until we talk to you again next week, uh, everybody have a good week and go buy music.